Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Download more sermons or learn about the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene at our website, capenazarene.org. Here's this week's message. Last week, we uh, looked at one of the letters of Paul to the church in Galatia. We looked at Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to continue that today and next week in Galatians. And uh, to just kind of recap, remind ourselves, Galatians 3 is reminding us that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is greater than any other expectation that we could put on another. And that God's grace and God's love is greater than any law, indeed even their law with the capital L, and that there is no law that gets in the way of God's plan or God's grace in someone's life. And to remember and to live with grace and love towards one another. With that, we could find ourselves thinking, well, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, anything goes? Does that just mean, you know, we just, we just let anything fly? And that's kind of where he gets to here in Galatians chapter 5. He's, he's going to kind of address that a little bit, but in so doing, is still going to put a lot of the attention on God's love and grace, which is indeed a part of the gospel because of who Christ is. And so I want to read for you today from Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for uh, self-indulgence, but some translations, if you're wrong, will say the word flesh here. But through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh, for what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. And now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. He begins by telling us in this passage to live as servants or slaves to one another. Uh, first learning, uh, first uh, learning uh, how to read the Bible in the way it was originally written. Uh, when I was taking my Greek classes, one of the words I learned for servant that uh, just became kind of a buzzword for whatever reason, a joke word among uh, Jen and I and some of our friends around the lunch table who are also religion majors, was the word doulos, which means servant or slave. 
And so every now and again, Jen or I would joke with each other, hey, would you do this for me? And then when we did, we'd call the other one the, the doulos, the slave, the servant. And it was all just, you know, just light, light-hearted joking, kind of like uh, 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 this, this last weekend. So uh, Howard opened up his cabin on Fry Island, and we stayed there Friday night, and we're, we're sitting out there on the porch, and we're just enjoying the chirping birds and the, and the cool night air and, and uh, looking out for, for deer and, and uh, just having a wonderful time. And we, we just go, we sit down on the front porch, nice, comfortable chair, and, and Jen goes, ah, and then she looks, and he's like, oh, no, the footrest is over there. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I get up, and I take the footrest, and, of course, I make a big deal out of it. I get down on one knee, and I go, here you are, my princess, to lay down this footrest. Of course, I ruined the whole moment by slamming it on her toes, but, <laughs> but I tried. And so anyway, but we would, we would joke like this, right? Ah, I am your servant. And so, uh, so, so, so uh, we would do that. And I, and I think the reason, of course, that can be lighthearted, of course, is because we don't actually make a law or a rule, you have to do this for me. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't then be actual um, uh, slavery or service. But, uh, uh, but this is, it becomes that kind of just, it is done out of love, it's done out of respect, it's done out of appreciation for one another. And every now and again, you know, when, when we would do something for someone else, oh, you didn't have to do it, oh, thank you. And we, you know, even uh, when we were dating, we would call each other that servant or whatever as a joke. And so, but Paul is, is, uses that term in the same way that what if we start to see one another, not just by what I am required to do for somebody else, but what if we saw one another by how privileged I am to be able to share and live life with you, how much I might be able to respect and show my appreciation for you because of who you are and how God has made you. This is what he looks at when he says, for we are called to be slaves to one another, that lo- um, but through love we might become slaves to one another. He says then the whole commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And, uh, and, and, it's, and it's interesting after this, he, he begins then to talk about the struggle, uh, he begins to talk about personal struggle. He'll use the terms flesh and spear, but personal struggle is, uh, is and it's kind of, it seems like an abrupt change, but I'll get to why that might be in a moment. But life, of course, is filled with those moments of kind of personal struggle, of wondering what I should do or shouldn't do. Uh, some, some are meaningful struggles, some are meaningless struggles. Some are just, okay, whatever, it's a small struggle. Some, some like, like uh, after a long day at work, and you go home, and you're tired, and you're exhausted, and you're just, like, you're just spent, and you sit on the couch for a moment, and maybe you're watching the TV, or uh, watching your show, or watching the news, or scrolling your phone, or whatever you're doing, and then, you know, you're just so tired, you fall asleep. And you get up, and you're like, oh, oh I can't believe I fell asleep, oh, it's dark out, I might as well just go to bed. And you're, you're groggy-eyed, going to bed, and you walk by the bathroom, and you say to yourself, do I take the time to brush my teeth, or do I just collapse into bed? <laughs> and, you know, you have that kind of internal struggle. Because if I do, I might actually wake up a little bit, but I, can just, I just won't kiss anyone in the morning, and it'll be fine. And, then, so, you, know, you know, like you have that moment of struggle, meaningless little struggles like that. Or whether, you know, oh, I should get some exercise this morning, get up and do that, or sleep in a little bit more. 
or whether to procrastinate, you know, those, those kind of struggles. Oh, should I do this now or should I wait? Or, or, or sometimes they're, they're more involved when someone has taken a step back from something that they used to do and they find themselves at, say, a convenience store looking at that ticket and saying, oh, I haven't bought one of those in a while. Or looking at the box of cigarettes, oh, I haven't bought one of those in a while. Or passing the drink aisle and going, oh, I haven't had one of those in a while. And sometimes that struggle is a little bit longer (laughs) looking at that. Sometimes that struggle is a little bit more of how is this going to affect tomorrow and not just today. What do we call that struggle? That battle that happens within us when we're deciding whether to do what we know we ought to do, whether we ought to do what we know is the best practice for us, what's ideal, versus what is, I don't know, convenient, or what is, what is uh, uh, just, just serving us in that moment. What, what do we call that struggle? Paul, I think, calls that struggle the struggle of spirit and flesh. This is, this, is what he, this is the way he looks at it. It's worth noting that this is not, as uh, some early English translation, translations had once called it, a struggle of two natures. This isn't him talking about a spirit nature and a flesh nature in us, or a spiritual sign of physical. He's just talking about, he's just using an analogy, like I just have kind of set up, about how, he, how we talk about the various struggles of how we're supposed to live our life. And how, given the freedom we have in Christ, we might still live our life and face some of those decisions and some of those struggles. In some ways, I think of it like, like athletes. Like, like, like someone who is a, tra- a trained athlete, someone who, who every single day, they love their sport, they, they work at it, they, 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 uh, they, they do all the practice, they do all the workouts, they're doing everything they can to be the, the best they can. Maybe, maybe that would be like a person of the spirit or something. Versus a natural athlete... Who's like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ride my my genetics on this one. The one who says, Oh, I don't have to. I just naturally hit the ball harder, throw the ball harder. Oh, it's just I just run faster than everyone else. Yeah, that that carries them so far. And even the person who trains can only go so far based on, in some part, their genetics. But the one, of course, who is both gifted but also disciplined is the one who we end up hearing about is the one who we all start to learn their names. But the one who engages in the practices necessary to become the best they can be versus the one who just flies by the seat of their pants, the minimum is good enough. In this case, I think sometimes that is kind of the question Paul is addressing here in our faith. Oh, well, God's grace is good enough right now. I'm fine. I'll just just do what I want. Versus I want to live my life following and obeying the commandments and the way in which God has called me to live. And so he calls this the struggle of spirit and flesh. And, um, and it is, uh, of course, a kind of strange turn, a, a kind of, uh, that he has, he has talked about, first of all, hey, this is the commandment, love one another. And then he says, hey, and we're not going to focus on the works of the flesh. And he talks about some of the examples of what the works of the flesh are. Now, some of them are obvious for us. There are things like, okay, uh, uh, fornication, impurity, okay, the, the kind of sins of the flesh, I get this, even things like drunkenness or whatever, okay, okay, that has to do with pleasing whatever the body wants in the moment, okay. But there are some things in here, you, you look at like, wait a minute, how is that an act of the flesh? What does he mean by that? Things like factions and dissensions, idolatry, like those don't necessarily have to deal with 
the body so much? Why is that an act of the flesh? Because, of course, he is using it to talk about that struggle. He's using it to talk about just, just a way of life that is opposed to just uh, living in, the, in, uh, in grace, in what God has in store for us. He's using his analogy to talk about the struggle of law and grace, or law and love. See, all this goes back for him to um, a central rule in the law. There is a nuance to this. As much as he's talking about flesh and spirit, if you remember a little bit from last week, the whole struggle with the Galatians is the Galatian church is wondering if the new people coming to follow Jesus, the new people who were never Jews like Jesus was, or his disciples were, or the nation that crucified him was, if he's not one of them, do we have to make them Jewish? Which means, do we have to make sure they get the snip? And he doesn't mean a vasectomy. (laughs) Do we have to do this for them? And... um, and Paul, in many ways, the nuance here is, yeah, this is an act of the flesh. And so the, the nuance here is, he's saying, we don't live by that, but live by grace. And he's saying the law, as much as it has been helpful for us, the law is, is obviously concerned with acts of the flesh. And now, now they knew, of course, the law was helpful, the law, was, uh, uh, the law was something that helped them realize uh, where they fell short from God and, and gave them some ways to try to draw closer to God. And we know laws are helpful. None of us want to live in a land without laws. But we also know what happens when we are utterly preoccupied with law, when that is, that is our main focus. When that happens, the law to love your neighbor as yourself is thrown out the window. Here we are in a place right now where significant laws seem to have been changed, not because anything new has been written, but because of a change in judgment by the highest courts. And we have many in our country in our churches right now praising that change. And we have many in our countries and in our churches that are lamenting that change. And I'd like to say to you today that the issue Paul is addressing with the church in Galatia Galatia was just as contentious as things are for us right now. Because for them, they're like, hey, this has to do with our identity. This has to do with precedent. This has to do with tradition. This has to do with our future. This has to do with what this means for generations to come. This has to do with everything that they knew about who they were and what their future might look like. So this was a very important thing. As much as we might say, okay, it's funny to talk about, it's funny to look at 2,000 years later, it was a huge deal. It was, it was church-splitting, faith-changing, uh, nation-identity kind of things that he's talking about here. And he reminds us, in a time when we are eager to look at laws, that the greatest commandment is to love our neighbor. And I know where we can go with this. We can go. I know some people have said, well, well, I know who my neighbor is. My neighbor is the person who looks like me, speaks like me, thinks like me, and agrees with me. And so, in times like today, we'll say, well, my neighbor is that unborn child. Or my neighbor is the victimized female. 
And so our neighbors and who we get to love becomes defined by where we're already preoccupied. It gets defined by the laws that we like. In reality, I think we love victory. We love winning. We love when people help us win. Paul reminds us in this passage, in verse 15, If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another or destroyed by each other. We've lost in many ways what it means to listen and to work together and to truly love those who think and act and look and, and just see the world, look at the world differently than we do. And so this is his warning to us and reminder to us. In a time when law is right in front of our face, he reminds us there is no greater love, no greater law than that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. The acts of the flesh in verse 19 are not just sins of the flesh, they are selfish acts. Yes, many of them have to do with flesh, but some of them don't. They're the kinds of things that happen when we say, well, I'm just living according to the letter of the law. I know what I can get away with. I know what I can do. And I'm just living, you know, living my best life doing what I want to do within the parameters of what I can do. And it's, it, for, him, for Paul, when he looks at the grace God has given us, and he looks at the kind of self-propelling ways of living life that... Uh, uh, the people in Galatia are doing. He says, it, it's a lot like a child telling a parent, well, I know what you said, but you didn't actually say to do this, so I didn't do it, even though they knew what they meant or something like that. Get, getting away with what you can get away with is a lot like, okay, God, I, I know what you mean, but uh, you know, I'm just living within the parameters of the law. The law just, uh, he says, hey, the law is this. We've got to remember to love one another and not just live for ourselves. If there is... No law, as we heard last week, that keeps us from the grace of God, then we should instead be compelled to live out that call to love one another. That indeed, how we live and serve one another might be with that same kind of joyous serving that, we talked, that I talked about at the opening. And so, so we have the fruits of the Spirit here are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That we start to say, hey, this is... This is what I want my faith to look like. Not just whether or not I, I have victory over somebody else or beat somebody else, or not just whether or not uh, uh, I can get someone to do what I want or, or, or to fit my definition of what it means to look like a Christian. But I want to love them with the same grace and love that God loved me before I looked the way that I do today. When Christians delay love, when they hold it back, or tempted after a hard day just to let, you know, how they're supposed to live in love of neighbor slide. I can't help that their faith stinks just a little more. <laughs> their faith is getting just a little more flabby because we're just not doing the disciplines of love that living in the Spirit has called and invited us to do. And so my hope and my prayer this week and in the days to come is that we will be a people who remember that God has called us indeed to a radical faith of lifting up and loving one another, even those who are radically different and changing and, and just kind of affecting the way 
in which we look at and understand who we are and uh, what we might be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today I thank you for um, this word from Paul that reminds us that it is your grace that is the primary definer of who we are. That, Lord, your love has gone before. Before we were ever Christians, before we ever had faith, Heavenly Father, you sent your Son to be with us. And while we were sinners, your Son died for us. And Heavenly Father, I thank you that um, you are God who has called us and reminded us that uh, we are going to be a people who love our neighbor as ourselves. And Lord, we have a lot of neighbors today, a lot of uh, different cultures, ways of thinking, a lot of different understandings of even uh, how uh, we are as, as American Christians are to continue. And Lord, in all this and all the arguments and all the thoughts and all that, Heavenly Father, help us remember the law of love that you have called us to. So that in every step forward that we might take, the Heavenly Father, it would not be at the expense of, of another. And so, Lord, uh, we pray for your guidance in all of these things and pray for your help. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God richly bless you as you serve him today.